One of the paradoxes in the Buddha's presentation teachings is how he talks about unsupported, unsupported consciousness. Um, you know, and actually, this is the most uh, stable and secure pl- thing to have going. <laughs> consciousness that isn't supported is the most stable, because whatever. Normally, a mind or any consciousness rests upon tends to fall away. It's like most of the time we're we're leaning on on various props that 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 fall apart. And we're leaning on a sight or a sound or a hope or even negative things. You know, a grievance, a grudge, an opinion, a view. You know, we kind of lean upon the. So it's not as if we particularly even like it. It's just that there doesn't seem to be any other option. It's what the whole conditioning is. It's always resting upon some kind of object. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and there can be a tremendous uh, wish to make that object as solid as possible. And, you know, we can't do this with sights and sounds, so we generally do it with the mind. We have an, a view or an opinion or a system or a technique or a custom or a personality view. You know, these are the first three fetters of personality view. I am this, this is what I do. You know, kind of independent me. Um, then on some sort of system or technique, you know, which can it can be a huge area for anything from the routines, I routines, uh, my way of doing things. Uh, Vineyard, of course, is something that tr- tremendous uh, heat can get built up over these uh, matters. Vineyard customs, core what you know, because of this intense wish to make them more than they are, more solid, more meaningful, more. Well, you know, and they they manifestly keep kind of buckling, and <laughs> you know, or, or or they require effort to keep holding them together, as you recognise. You know, trying to hold the the system together, it's kind of ugh, it's a bit of a strain at times. So they are dukkha, and. Uh, you know, so it doesn't mean they're bad or they shouldn't have any. But, you know, a sense of some space around that, some sense of what's really skillful and helpful and what just becomes a kind of pathology, like a kind of a blind attachment. Shouldn't, you know, it's not that one shouldn't have any views or opinions, but when do they come charging in and, and take over your life? You know, what do they mean more than they really can offer? How much can they actually offer us? It certainly doesn't mean one shouldn't have any. You know, the ability to, but the ability to, to learn, to adapt, to use, to change, to de- develop different, you know, strategies, different opinions, different ways of looking at things. You know, that comes through not being too fixed. You know on a certain opinion, view, yeah, 
being kind of a bit more open to it. It doesn't mean if you don't have any, then you, if you have that view, that that again gets in the way, doesn't it? So it's a sense of what what we what we lean upon, what our mind leans upon, and why. You know, for stability, for comfort, for security, for feeling okay. Essentially, you know, there's no such thing as an ultimate truth in any of these in this respect. So, as we see, the the what holds our apparent world together is really propped up. And why it's that why it's that way, you know, because uh most of the time for most people don't have any alternative. When we uh, <clears throat> cultivate, cultivate the way, Dhamma Vinaya, meditation, living in community, it's that sense in which you know you have the ability to step back from one's individual, one's the sankara, the kind of the. Uh, strongly formulated um, opinion, view, system, drive, whatever it is. It's this kind of very basic practice, not to dismiss it, but just to kind of get some space around it. So within that, then we can actually start to feel it out, like... What's what's running this? What's holding this? What's the energy in this? And then, you know, is it possible to clear the negative? You know, to bring up the positive so that our props, as they are, at least are good. You know, we don't have to hold a world together. Do so in a way that's imbued with uh, clarity with paramita, with patience, with truthfulness, with concern, with compassion for others and so on. Mm. And these are lovely ideas, you know, but then they, they, they arise because from that place of uh, non-attachment or dispassion, having a rest, cessation, mm. it, it, it means you know, the mind doesn't have to go down twisted up channels to operate. It could be much more what's the good, what's the beautiful. We don't know. Can we just wait on that? You know, encourage it. So whenever there's some degree of de- non-detachment or letting go, then to some extent, you know, the, the 
the prop becomes less uh, fixed. I've got some space around it. And this is actually the most um, reliable. The less propped, the more reliable. And it's kind of so you contemplate in yourself what it feels like when you have uh, that sense of a little more space in your mind, more openness. What it what it what that feels like. How you sense yourself. Getting used to it. Breathing it, breathing into it, moving, you know, moving around in it, see what it feels like. So giving it the whole system a chance to, to uh, navigate, to reform. So we have the easiest um, area to work in, actually, in terms of our thinking. Thinking is the most pliable, because thinking is the think the, the most um, we learn most easily through thinking. You know, you can learn a language, you can learn sciences, you can learn mathematics. You know, so think the thinking facility is is pretty adaptable compared with emotional, which is much more, uh, less less resilient, less subject to change, less flexible. So, you know, you can calm, you can stop thinking, you can calm it down much easier than, than the emotional body, because it's actually much less fixed. So we get fixed in particular ways of thinking because of the emotional drive behind it. Notice, so you notice uh, when you, th- you know, the, the spaces that are in thinking when you don't know, or the gaps in thinking, or looking at where does a thought begin. Mm-hmm. A sense of throwing your mind back to the beginning of a thought. There's a sense of potential thoughtfulness or a inclination, and then thoughts kind of gradually form out of that quite quickly. But you can learn to to abide in that place before thinking. It's not that difficult, even for periods of time. Or notice, you know, the little sense before the thought jumps in, or when the thought ceases. So you start to get familiar with the, you know, the relativity of that prop, the prop of cognitive knowing. Hmm? And you see, uh, so much of it is just purely, a lot of it is just nervous reflex, you know, to think something, to have something to be going on. So we've got something to kind of navigate around. Because mm-hmm. once we start to open that up, we begin to maybe sense some of the chaotic or the 
unresolved emotional areas of our lives where a lot of practice is just in this sense of as you as you kind of loosen the prop then you have to bring in qualities like kindness or you know compassion or ease or breathing calming just to get some sense of something else to lean on something else to fill up you know where some of the other stuff has has been taken away so I'd say it's probably a most basic thing that we always do come back to in, in living in the renunciant life then almost from day one you know, a huge amount of props get taken away, entertainments, <coughs> socialized, social things, um, um, individual liberties, you know. <laughs> Eating when I feel like it. It's not so much, you know, these are moral things are relatively easy compared with the renunciant uh, aspects of the life. So the system often goes berserk. You know, uh, chaotic. You, know, you can kind of think, well, these, these, yeah, it's fine. I want to do that, but uh, still, all these un, uh, kind of emotional um, gaps that were plugged up suddenly open up. So, sense of just you know being there with one's grasping, one's chaos, one's irritability, one's gloom. You know. And practicing with that, breathing in, breathing out, kindness, giving it time, giving it space. This is kind of fundamental practice, isn't it? But what's actually happening is you're kind of loosening up a a prop, a support. And then even doing things in meditation becomes a, a kind of support, doesn't it? To kind of get good at it, to get it working, to get on with it. After a while, you begin to say, "Wait a minute! You know, I'm actually busier now than when I was doing things." <laughs> you know, you know, it's just to relax and go out and chop some wood instead. You know, which is sometimes the case. It's more relaxing just to go out and, you know, do some work than sit and meditate. <laughs> Because of this, suddenly all this stuff coming up that uh, is difficult to handle. Mm-hmm. So then, being you know, just getting a look at the sense of the doingness in meditation. Really, so often, you know, I think for myself, perhaps for everyone. The real challenge is being able to to just be stable and steady with aspects of my consciousness that I find quite disappointing and disagreeable. Blurred, chaotic, wacky. (laughs) You know, and instead of like having a kind of crazy stray dog running around in your in your heart whining, scratching, kicking, making a mess, yapping at shadows, chasing its own tail. You you think, oh, shut up. Get yourself together. Stop it. Perhaps it's better just to just back off a bit, get some warmth going, get some, open a door somewhere. 
I think one of the things one does learn emotionally, and emotions are not so easy to learn, is this sense of kindness, openness, non-judgmental towards one's own mind, and it starts to overflow. You recognize this is where this is what's happening for all of us, you know. Also, overflow in terms of kindness and compassion for whatever, you know, going on. And really, you know, that's the beauty of it is you can't just do this for yourself. You know, there's got to be some sense of being more able to, because you just start to recognize kind of the, the mind is crazy, you know. Um, so there's a particular response that comes up with that, which isn't about holding it together, knocking it into shape. It comes from that space place of detachment, dispassion. Yeah, you kind of see the. You know, you see the world around them, violence, brutality, squalor, greed. Yeah, I can I can understand that. <laughs> you know, I can see the kind of roots of those 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 um, tendencies. You know, the beauty is that one doesn't actually act upon them, and gradually they they start to become. You know, they die out. Their their vitality goes. But that is a, the emotional learning is, is is a long-term project. And you've got to create a learning environment. You know? And though you can learn intellectually just by popping new di- ideas in, emotional learning is much more, uh, much less volitional, much less driven, more sensed, more receptive. It's not it's not something you do; it's something you allow. You kind of tune in. It's more about being receptive and a a gentle response to be with one's irritation or blaming or you know cravings. Just seeing the kind of the search in all of them to find something to get into or something to push away or you know somewhere to feel not bothered by things that I don't like or don't want to be with. You know, this kind of restless, agitated, bristling sense of whining or the, you know, desperate senses. Go on. So to, to unsupport without, you know, collapsing is is a is a very careful and caring kind of process. The beauty of it is that that through that we come to a place which is called cessation, which is not about annihilation. It's about things coming to rest. It's about activities, certain activities starting to rest, the heart starting to rest, the driving starting to rest, the resisting starting to come to rest, that kind of snagging on experience, which pushes it forward, pulls it back, runs away from it, damps it down, tries to pick it up. You know? Resting in that, a rest from all that. 
which is very different from having another program going on, another ideology happening, another viewpoint happening, another, you know, adding some other kind of cheerful anthem. It's fine. This place of rest, cessation, is the place. You know, again, all the language is purely metaphorical. It's a place, or I don't know how you describe that, but some kind of domain. Where can there be the sense of freedom? The space, or you know, still peace. The Buddha said, "This is." The sublime, this is peaceful, the removal of all props and dependencies, the stilling of all formations, cessation, nibbana. So it's in that area, in that direction, we practice. What does it take to bring something to rest? Not suppressed not held back and the way that the Ananda talking to the Jatila the nun saying the kind of samadhi which is not about suppression not pushing forward not pushing back and this is the sublime and it's based upon this uh, detachment dispassion sense of rest and of course within that you know the, the 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 personal piece is that before things come to rest, you have to actually open them up. You know, and you got you know you can't bring something to rest if you haven't actually found what it is yet. But you know when it is senses, his attachments, his powers, his passions, his drives. You know, if you just let them take over, that's not going to work. If you suppress them, it's not going to work. So in between that, you know, a piece at a time, placing it in that domain of ability to come to the beginning of it, the end of it, Get some space around it. What is need to sustain that that space all the time in the world? You see how the time boundaries always create pressure. Self boundaries. You know, I am this. I should be this. That always creates gets in the way. The system gets in the way. I should be a good. Buddhist or whatever gets in the way. So this is a really, yeah, it's very pachatang, knowable in oneself. But even when all the you know the difficult things are there, just that ability to. 
find a place of rest with that. Even if things are going on, somewhere there's a place that's that's not happening. There's a place that's of about space, witnessing, awareness, detachment. And it's just around that and developing that is our practice path.